Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to another episode of the Nasty Woman Club podcast. I'm your host, Demi Lynch, and today we are talking about the legend, the icon, Taylor Swift. With Taylor's album, Red, being released into the world next week as Taylor's version, I thought, why not dedicate an entire episode to the queen, Taylor Swift? On today's episode, we are going to be looking at why exactly is Taylor Swift redoing her albums? Why is she re-releasing them? And of course, we couldn't have a Taylor Swift episode without overanalyzing the songs, the albums, and maybe even perhaps ranking them. So I thought with today being a Taylor Swift episode, I had to bring on a Taylor Swift expert. And the first person that came to mind straight away was one of my friends, Hannah Divney. She is a disability advocate and an incredible writer, and I had to have her on the show. So I really cannot wait for you to listen to our chat. We talk all things Taylor, and it is a longer episode because we had a lot to fit in here. So if you are needing to do some cleaning, some housework, you're doing a long drive, this is the episode for you. But yes, I cannot wait for you all to listen to my chat with the fabulous Hannah, Taylor Swift expert, and listen to our deep dive in the world of Swifties. This is Hannah Dibbany. Hannah, my dear, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast yet again. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be doing this. We are talking all things Taylor Swift. And I know it's such a hard, difficult topic for you to talk about. I mean, yeah, I, ha- I know absolutely nothing about her. <laughs> who, who is she? Again? Who is she? Who's this chick again? Just some just some random celebrity we don't care for at all. Not at all. No. no, no. <laughs> so on today's show, we are pretty much just going to be fangirling over Taylor Swift and her brilliance and just her amazingnessness, if that even is a word, but... We're just going to be fangirling over Taylor Swift, what she's doing with the re-recording of her new album with Red. And then, of course, we have to include our opinions on our top oh boy. three songs of Red and her albums. We have to rank them. That's what oh. we're going to have to do. It's yes. like picking a child, Demi. What are you doing to me? I know. I know. I was struggling. Like, this, these notes here that I have, the listeners won't be able to see this, but these notes here, they are very messed up because I was just like, oh, I do like this one. This one has more meaning to me. But really, it's an actual better song, though. I don't know. That was yeah. difficult yeah. stuff. It's, yes. It's, it's a tough choice. <laughs> it is. Mm-hmm. So for listeners out there that don't know what's happening with Taylor Swift and why exactly she's re-recording some albums, what exactly, because you have done a bloody university paper on this, so you are mm-hmm. the expert, my dear, on Taylor Swift and everything with a certain someone named Scooter Braun. Oh, Scooter Braun. Yes. Oh, God. Why, why is our friend Taylor, why is she recording her albums and what does it have to do with okay. Scooter? So basically taylor swift recorded her first six albums so that's everything from her debut album all the way up to reputation which was released in 2017 under a label called big machine records which um is owned by a guy named scott borchetta and basically prior to taylor being an artist this label didn't really exist like she pretty much helped build it from the ground 
mm-hmm. and saw Scott Boschetta as a father figure and like they had this really close relationship. Now, unfortunately, um, Taylor Swift's recording contract ended with them in 2017 after the release of Reputation and there was a big kind of industry-wide debate about where she would go. People thought she might re-sign the big machine, thought she might buy the label. She ended up signing with Universal Music um, and, and under her contract with Universal Music, she owns the master rights to Lover, Folklore and Evermore. Unfortunately, she doesn't own the master rights to her debut, Fearless, Speak Now, Red, 1989 and reputation now for anyone who doesn't know and you're thinking what does it mean that an artist doesn't own their music like didn't they record it and create it well yeah you would think so but basically how the music industry works from what I have discovered is the rights are split into two groups so you have the publisher's rights which are the lyrics and melodies which Taylor Swift owns because she has a writing credit on every single song that she's ever done And for anyone listening out there who wants to be a part of the music industry, I would suggest that if you can, you write your own songs because it means that you retain some level of ownership of them. The master master rights are the actual recordings, the album covers, the lyric booklets, all that stuff. Unfortunately, she doesn't own those. Um, And basically, Taylor was semi-okay with that, like she'd made peace with the decision until it was announced that Big Machine would be sold to Scooter Braun. Now, Scooter Braun might be a name that anyone who's interested in entertainment knows because he manages people like Justin Bieber, Ariana Grande, Demi Lovato, all those sorts of things. Um, But why he is a particular sort of, I guess, villain for Taylor, I suppose, is because He was managing Kanye West and Kim Kardashian at the time of the whole leaked phone call, snake, famous drama, Mm -hmm. cancellation saga that basically left Taylor feeling like she might never create music again. And to put it quite bluntly, from the sounds of it, left her in such a low place that she really wasn't sure what life would look like or if it would look like anything at all really Mm -hmm. yeah um so basically this is her worst nightmare purchase and you can find her statements about this online but but um essentially i guess so that she owns her life's work which are songs about her life that she wrote and stories that she created she's decided to re-record her first six albums and as fun for the fans, she's also decided to include what are called vault tracks, which are tracks that were meant to be on each album, but for whatever reason were left off or didn't make the cut the first time around. Um, so she's already released her, her version of Fearless. You'll have seen it marketed as Fearless and then in brackets, Taylor's version. Mm-hmm. So she's being very clear and very kind of aggressively explicit, as she should be. Yeah, as she should. I love it that she's like that, yeah. About, this is mine, this is what I own, this is how we're doing it. Um, so she released Fearless already, 
in April this year. And in, what day is it today? November 1st. So in like 11 days, Red Taylor's version comes out. It's going to have 30 songs on it, um, including a bunch of bonus tracks and stuff we've never heard before. It's going to have features from Chris Stapleton, Phoebe Bridges. There's a second song with Ed Sheeran that's coming out that I'm really excited for because their friendship is very sweet and pure. It is such a beautiful friendship, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. And of also apparently there's going to be a 10-minute version of oh. All Too Well. How like, could oh- I forget the ultimate track five? Oh, my God, yes. And the track already goes for, I think it's over five minutes already. Mm-hmm. So it's, like- a hu- oh. it's a huge rock power ballad. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would say even for people who are maybe listening to this going, ugh, Taylor Swift, or like they have a weird sort of view of her, mm. listen to the song All Too Well yes. and then reevaluate because I think – Oh my god, that song and just the level of detail and how visceral the picture she paints mm, is. Definitely. It just like leaves you lying there like a crumpled up piece of paper, if you will. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> but there there is that though, like in the general public. There are those people, and it's been around ever since Taylor has been in the public eye. There are mm-hmm. those people that are just like, oh, I just hate her, but I don't know why. Or I hate yeah. her because of the whole Kanye West thing. Or I hate her because she always sings about her ex-boyfriends, which she's not the yes. only artist to do that, to sing about no. their exes. A lot no, of artists make not. money off that. They <clears throat> do. Sheeran, many, many <clears throat> artists. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I do like what you said about the fact that there is a real reason why Scooter is such a bad villain in this whole story with Taylor Swift. Because, yeah, when that whole debacle happened with Kanye West, with Kim Kardashian about those phone leaks, like, that was such a low point for Taylor. Like, she was hated. Like, I'm talking, like, almost Donald Trump hated. Like, she was Mm -hmm. hated so much. And... For her to come back since then and to release such highly successful albums since then, like it's just, and not just albums as well. Also, she's done did that America uh, Miss Americana documentary. Oh which, yes, that's one of my favorite things uh, that it because I think, um, especially as young women, there's a lot of those core messages mm. um, that we can that we can relate to, and I think. Obviously, the level and the like way that Taylor experiences them is super intense and super unique. Like, there aren't very many people at her level of fame who really can't can't go outside without being recognized or have to have paparazzi proof entrances at their house or mm-hmm. have you know stalkers who break into the house and get in their bed or whatever. Um, but I think all of those issues about like being a good girl or not knowing how to feel about your body or wanting to make sure that you don't sort of upset the balance of who people think you are and wanting to to do a good job like performatively for everyone else that's all stuff that women can relate to no matter what kind of life circumstances we have because it's all sort of socially ingrained unfortunately and I think Taylor Swift definitely doesn't get enough credit for all of the ways over her entire career in which she's 
sort of called that stuff out and worked to sort of subtly invert it and kind of break it down, I guess. And I think, um, like you were talking before about some of the criticisms that the public level at her, Taylor Swift is a really interesting um, reflector for a lot of people's internalized misogyny Mm -hmm. and a lot of people's like discomfort with women who are successful, women who own that success, women who are powerful, are, um, I guess, like romantically passionate, but not in a like male gazy type way. Like there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that Taylor does that make people very uncomfortable, but basically it boils down to the fact that society still really struggles with success that isn't claimed as a happy accident Mm, yes 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 exactly yes you can't you can't be a woman and be someone that strives for success you always have Mm -hmm. to be like oh it just happened it just happened like that no I didn't like strive for this at all just accidentally happened and I think and as you said yeah people really do forget how much of a badass woman Taylor is like she's just done so much I think people don't give her enough credit for like like for me personally I think something that's always stuck with me is the impact that she had with the me too movement and I feel like a lot of people forget about that this was this was actually on the red tour which is um it was wasn't it really pertinent to our kind of discussion today obviously Mm. basically this guy um put his hand up her skirt during a meet and greet Mm. and she reported it to her team and they contacted his radio station and the rate the radio station launched an investigation and then he lost his job a couple of years later he sues taylor because he lost his job and kind of lost his credit in the industry she countersued him for a symbolic one dollar to basically show that that sort of treatment of women um isn't okay and she was lucky enough to win that trial back in 2017, I think. So mm. th- there was like a four-year gap um, between when the incident took place and by the time she like received justice for it, I guess. I found it really striking. Like I remember reading all the, um, well, some of the testimony that was released to the public and her mum saying that they didn't, report it to the to the police or they didn't like disclose it to the public at the time that it happened because they didn't she didn't want this event this event to define Taylor's life Mm -hmm. she didn't want every single interview after it was released to the public to be about um the sexual assault case and it was really striking to me because if Taylor Swift who for all intents and purposes is extremely successful, mm-hmm. extremely wealthy, got a laundry list of achievements that people could define her with or ask her about or a bunch of different ways that she can be characterised um, in the public eye. If, the, if they thought that um, victim and survivor of sexual assault was going to define her life, what does that say about all of the other women who experience it 
and don't have the resources or don't have the like means in in other ways to sort of work past that like it if it was going to be life defining for taylor well it's going to be universe defining for for everyone else yeah and i remember also her saying as well like because obviously in a lot of sexual assault cases a lot of sexual harassment cases you always have to prove that it actually happened and Mm -hmm. she had photos and videos from every single angle there were many many witnesses there but yet still people didn't believe her and yeah and I remember her saying like how frustrated she was with the fact that there was all this proof there was all these witnesses there was footage of him literally grabbing her ass underneath her skirt Mm -hmm. so then imagine the people out there that experience this that don't have witnesses there that don't have photos there like imagine them trying to come up with evidence and imagine them being scrutinized because she was scrutinized so much like them just saying it was for attention or was for money or she's lying and all this stuff like so that's why i think it's so important people really need to remember like how much she taylor is really fighting for so many causes and just has done so much particularly for women yeah and also just artists in general across the music industry like something else we forgot to mention is that under her new contract with Universal she basically negotiated it so that if they like sell their shares in Spotify every artist under their label gets paid I didn't know that yeah it's like god I love her it's just so that like it's all recoupable and basically um because of her sort of very publicly bringing this battle of her masters to everyone's attention i've seen a number of young artists who look like they own their master recordings now like they've 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 actively negotiated that people like olivia rodrigo and Maisie peters and conan gray and all of these people who have been influenced by her songwriting have also been influenced by her like business acumen yeah and it is so important for people to understand the the rights to their songs and stuff like that, especially Ooh. young artists. Because I think that was one of the other criticisms I heard when there was when this all came out into the media the first time about her and the rights to her music. They were just like, "Oh, but she signed the contract." Blah blah blah. It's just like, yes, no, I do get that, but she was young. She, she was, was literally a child. a child. She was literally a child, and as you can definitely see in that documentary miss miss americana she does have a team of people around her but that team of people doesn't always agree with her like they can sometimes have complete conflicting Mm. thoughts like her father's part of her team and some members of her team are conservative in comparison to taylor and yeah she was a child like also they didn't know what was gonna happen Mm, yeah exactly they didn't they didn't know when signing that contract that she would essentially be one of the biggest musicians in the world. Mm-hmm. They didn't know that like her level of fame was going to get to such an intense level that like she can't breathe without there being a headline about it, basically. Um, like, so of course, hindsight is 2020, but like there's a lot of factors when signing that contract that like weren't in, weren't into play yet like she was only making her debut album and obviously like I think as an artist or as a creator of anything you would hope that there would be more coming after that but you can't mm. you can't know that like you're going to have the success of say Fearless or 1989 or even like Red and that sort of stuff like yeah 
that's yeah. a lot they want to know that they want yeah. to know yeah so on today's episode we are focusing on red since mm-hmm. taylor's version of red is coming out i believe it's on the 12th of november i had it written down yes down? 12th w- of november yeah yes which so I exciting. love, which I love so much because then it will be like fully released to the world on the thirteenth. Because any Taylor Swift fan knows she loves the thirteenth. <laughs> thirteen is her favorite number. Thirteen is her favorite number. We love that. So I have to ask for you, for you, what does red mean to you? Like, do you remember when red first came out? Yeah, I do. Like, yeah. So red came out in two thousand and twelve. So I was thirteen, I think yeah um and I remember my mum like not letting me buy the album because it was being released so close to Christmas she was like no we are saving this for a Christmas present (laughs) and I remember being so excited when I finally got the album and like listening to it um for the first time and obviously like it was released at a time when it's fall in the in the United States but by the time I heard it it was coming into summer so it was very much um this sort of soundtrack of that summer Mm. for me and like coming into high school and trying to figure out like what what's going on and what's my place in the world and all of those sort of things I think there's there's a lot about red that I didn't understand the full context of or appreciate that I do now so yeah I'm the same Mm. I think like a lot of the songs about that really like earth shattering heart shattering heartbreak sort of went over my head at age 12 because what have you experienced at age 12 <laughs> yes. um, but now that I'm like age 22 um I think a, a lot of that makes sense and like the whole idea of your 20s being defined by like feeling happy sad lonely confused free all at the same time I get that now because it it can feel like every sort of micro emotion can pass through you in a day and Mm. it's true that like my I guess sort of official like dating experience is still entirely like not a thing because dating and disabilities is complicated but that's another Mm. podcast Um, (laughs) but but yeah I think I I've learned that there are different types of heartbreak in the world and I've watched a lot of people around me go through relationships and have different feelings and I think um something else that I didn't really appreciate was like the musical versatility of, of red yes yes so mm-hmm. like the fact that you can listen to State of Grace and that's like big arena rock kind of style. Yeah. And then you've got Red, which is a country song. And then you've got I Knew You Were Trouble, which has dubstep in it. Like back at a time when that was really only beginning and like electronic dance music was really being leaned into. And then you have things like All Too Well, which is just this crushing piano ballad and then like there's we are never ever getting back together which is like the poppiest song on the planet <laughs> yes um, but it's so addictive it's so addictive. yeah yes <laughs> and 
it's quite funny. I, I think I'm pretty sure I'm right in saying this, that that was very intentional, mm, like yeah, to make agree. it that pop because the person it was written about hated pop that much. Yes. <laughs> Which to me is just a level of like petty, no fucks given that like, yeah. That's, oh, she's that's, the queen of pettiness and I love it. I'm a petty it's, queen. It's, I love it's it. So, it's it's presented in such a um, like clever way that I think it's it's really cool. And there's obviously like a lot of adult stuff on red that Taylor was starting to lean into and she was doing a lot of a lot of things I think um 2012 was and that sort of time period was really formative uh for her because I think that was when um the whole careful bro she'll write a song about you Mm. sort of criticism and critique was really at its peak um she basically couldn't be seen breathing next to a guy without it being sensationalized and turned into some media story or there being slideshows of photos and like, who are you dating, Taylor? What are you doing? What's happening? Blah, blah, blah. And like, I think that's why with the next record, 1989, she made such a big deal of like reshaping and redirecting the narrative to like, I'm single. It's all about my friends. I just care about being by myself because the the level of scrutiny and the level of kind of baseless gossip that surrounded Red was insane. So I think for the next segment here, my dear, I think we need to start analyzing Red and analyzing the albums. Oh my goodness. Here we All go. Right, okay. I'm bringing out the notepads. I'm bringing out the notepads, the notes. Buckle up, guys. It's going to be a wild ride. (laughs) This was so difficult. I can't believe I asked you to do this because when I was like doing it this morning, I'm just like, what have I done? How am I? I've I've changed my mind mind that many times. So yes, we are going to rank our top three (sighs) songs from Red. Now, obviously, this is going to be the Red that is already out, not the Taylor's version. Because... Yeah, because we haven't heard any of the Vault tracks yet. So uh-huh. this ranking may only stand to be true literally until November 12th. <laughs> yes. So it might, by the time you're listening to this, it might only be, be valid for like 48 hours. But <laughs> we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. We'll give it a good crack. And... <sighs> All right, my okay. dear. Okay, number three. What is your number three? My number three is begin again oh yeah that's in that that's somewhere in my top three somewhere yep yeah mm-hmm. why why is that song in your in oh my goodness i just love there's so many things about that song that that i like and i really love how um visual at like i i i'm all about telling a story so the songs that I like the most on Taylor albums are the ones where I can really like lean into the details. And I think it's just so sweet and so nice. And the sort of thing that we all really hope for, like the idea of thinking that, you know, um, all love does is break and burn and end. And then meeting somebody and being like, actually, no, you know what, there's hope and we've watched it begin again. 
it's just such such a beautiful song i ha- i have it somewhere on my top oh my goodness ranking. Okay. i have it somewhere on it and it was just i think that that was the first song i knew that was going to be my list i'm just like yeah yeah that's somewhere on it yeah have to include that like mm-hmm. it'd, be, it'd be wrong not to yeah um, I'm trying to think what would be better if I go next or you say, I think, I think I'm going to do my three and then you do your two, okay. two, and then you one, then I do my one. Okay. So my three, people would judge me for this, but there's meaning uh-huh. to this song for go me. For it. We are never getting back together. Ooh. It is the most cheesiest, poppiest song. And I love it. The reason why I love this song so much is because when this song came out, I was just having my first boyfriend. I was beginning the whole dating phase, all that kind oh of stuff. Goodness. And we broke up and he went on and dated his friends. And then he tried to like slide into my DMs. And this and you was were when- like, see ya. Uh-huh, we, yes. <laughs> we are never, ever, 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 ever getting, getting back, back together. together. <laughs> yes. yes. So I was blasting this in my room. I was, this was, this song was perfect for me. Yeah. So yes, I know it's a cheesy song. No, no, I it's great. I really it. love it when people- can talk about the memories that they have attached to songs and like how maybe like the next time you listen to that song it just immediately takes you back to like those feelings and that time and I'm just imagining all the Swifties out there who will be listening to this when I promote this episode just like jumping in my Twitter mentions being like what about this song what about that oh my one? god we're so gonna get that we're so gonna get where people are gonna be like you're not a true fan if you didn't say this song you didn't say and this i'm like album. guys trying to <laughs> trying to rank these is impossible because i love all of them yes we love for, all of them we love different all of them. reasons Don't hate on us <laughs> and like there's there's so many things that like i take i take into consideration about each song and i just it's it's a lot it's a lot, yes. All right, number two, my dear. What is oh, your number two? Number two for me is Holy Ground. Ooh, ooh, that's a good choice. Yes. Why that one, my dear? Oh, it, it's just, it's so much fun to like put on and dance around your room too. And I, again, really love the way that Taylor tells the story here. Like I think it's it's great how you can, pack a whole story into one line like the idea of like you took off faster than a green light go yeah you skip the conversation when you already know and like the whole sort of that really fast and I got stuck in my head now (laughs) idea or like the idea of like back when you fit in my poems like a perfect rhyme being a metaphor for back when we fit together and now I'm like not really sure what what's happening and what's going on and it just sounds so happy and free-spirited which is so weird when you think about the context of it but like she's looking back on this breakup and she's okay with with it um and in 2019 I think when she was promoting Lover she did a beautiful piano version of this song um for the BBC Radio 1 live lounge yes and if you haven't heard it once you listen to Holy Ground the kind of recorded version I I urge you to run and find that on youtube because it just changes the whole context and it's beautiful i'm really curious to see what your number two is i think my number two is going to be your number one my number two is all too well (laughs) that just yeah 
it's just a work of art and but spoiler alert guys demi was correct yes that is that is is my number one (laughs) just because i think i'd be like disowned by (laughs) by swifties everywhere if if that wasn't my number number one I, i mean there's a reason that rob sheffield the um, Rolling Stone critic who writes beautifully mm. about Taylor. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that when he ranked all of her songs, All Too Well is number one. It's just yes. this like really raw, really intense. Like you can tell that the emotions are super close to the surface um, and that it was a really like cathartic songs for her to write but there's so many lines in it that I'm just like oh my god (laughs) I just you could just feel all the emotions in it and that's why I'm so looking forward to the 10 minute version I know some people might be like oh you don't need a 10 minute version but it's just like it's just one of those songs that it just feels like she it honestly like feels like like she had just like literally minutes before broken up with someone because I know it is about um oh it was about her breakup with I think it was Jake Gyllenhaal was it mm-hmm. yeah yeah and Jake. and that was a toxic relationship I know she has insinuated with her songs and yeah just the way like she's just perfectly articulates it and you can just feel her frustrations her sadness her pain just like the mixture of emotions with it all it's just yeah. Yeah. It was it's a very tight second. It's a very, very tight second. I was contemplating number one, but if, if I was Jake Gyllenhaal with Red Taylor's version coming out, I'd be a little nervous. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I'd be a bit nervous. I would stay inside for a couple of weeks, I think. Like this is um yeah. Because yeah. I think the more details, <laughs> the more details we hear about, like that relationship and the more that gets revealed the more the more you realize um how sort of deeply formative and like heartbreaking it was for taylor and i think that's true of a number of her um relationships like i know that a lot of people will make the critique of like oh my god she dates so much but most of the major relationships that she's had have really left a mark and I mean, we can talk about this more when we get to speak now, Taylor's version, whenever oh, that yes. is. But like, I definitely think things will need to be reconsidered in terms of how her relationship with John Mayer. I was just about to say that. You stole my word. I was just like, mm. is. I have many thoughts on John perceived. Mayer. He is I know. a very, very toxic human being. Very toxic Yeah. Human being. So, um. I, I think you've got to remember like the human context of it. I um mm. because essentially for us, like in the culture of celebrity, I think unfortunately, um pop culture has a tendency to just see a um a celebrity as like a name or like a movable object that can sort of be inserted into any conversation or discourse or whatever. And like we see them as as a product, as a commodity, because like social media means that they're more accessible to us than ever, and there's like no mystique and enigmas anymore, and that's that sort of stuff because that's not that's not marketable. But um, you've got to remember that they're human beings too, 
Yeah, yeah. And that despite all the privilege that they have, and let's not for a second for, for, forget that incredible privilege, they still go through heartbreak. They still have friend situations that are messy. They still have parents and siblings and they still feel all of the things that average humans do. It's just magnified on an intense level because of the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So we know that All Too Well is my number two and your number one. Mm -hmm. So what do you think my number one is? I would have to guess, based on what you said earlier, that it's begin again. Yes, yes. That's such an interesting choice. Yes. Oh, I just think the topic that it looks at is just something that I don't think it's spoken enough about in a lot Mm -hmm. of music. It just, and it just really, because I've been on a lot of, first dates where you do get that whole feeling of just like oh like you like you've just been through a breakup and you're going through the first date and you're feeling all the feels from the breakup and it's just this it just I think I think where the song means a lot to me is just because she was able to put into words what I feel in the whole dating sphere like she was able to put into words what I have been feeling so perfectly and back when this album was first released I don't think I would have said begin again as my favorite song yeah because okay back then I was like oh, how old was I? I was like 15 16 I don't know anything <laughs> but I think probably the past like probably the past three four years I've definitely been re-listening to it again and again and it just really connects with me now just yeah just the ability for taylor to just really put into words what so many people feel and and i I also think it doesn't just reflect dating as well it also reflects like say heartbreak from a friendship heartbreak i feel as well or just any other type of heartbreak when you're trying to navigate going from something so horrible to then like going to a new thing and just jumping into feet first like it's just i have no words i can't describe it it's just and I think there's I something it. to be said for like what happens in our brains when, when we meet somebody new and when we've been through like a heartbreak, whether it's romantic or friendship related. Yeah. And like there's a level in our brains of like comparing them to the other person. Mm-hmm. So like mm-hmm. um, th- th- there's a great line in there about like he, he never liked it when I wore high heels, but I do. Mm-hmm. Or like... Um, you don't know why I'm coming off a little shy, but I, but I do, or even like the whole, you think I'm funny, but he never did. Or like all those sorts of things. Yeah. Just like the comparisons. Cause that's what you people do do that. And like, it would be nice if we didn't do that when we like, you know, start a new relationship. Oh, it would be friendship. so helpful for our brains. It'd be so much more helpful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but sadly, that's not the way. And Taylor gets that. She gets that. And it's just, oh, just so good. We've ripped the band-aid of that painful part. Oh my god. That was the top three songs. That was intense. Now, okay. We're gonna rank our albums. Oh my god. Don't do it to me, Danny. What are you doing? All right, I think we'll start off the easy. Oh, I don't know which is the easiest end, which my my social media is about to explode. (laughs) Oh god. Okay, I think we're gonna uh okay i think we're gonna start from the top to the bottom mm, all right we're gonna start from top to the bottom all right what is your 
top album? So, um, I think my top album is Folklore. Yep. That seems to be everyone's top album. Just because she hit it out of the park. And I think it's also like you got to think of it in the context of which it was released. We were all going through it. In yes. like July 2020, we were, we were all just like, "What is this? Our entire world has changed in like a matter of weeks." And we've got all these feelings, and then she just came in, and like the the level of storytelling and the way that she is able to weave in details of her personal life, but also like reflect it through these characters, so that you almost don't know like which is true and which is like her just playing around and being fictitious is really interesting and I think it also it's also really important like for her to be able to use fiction as a space to explore like darker stuff yeah Mm. because she can do that without without loading up the the clickbait cannon as she calls it like she can explore those things without it being headlines because no one can for sure say like this is definitively about x yeah it was mainly just all the fans that was just like this is about such and such this is about such and such but like the media because they because they're not like hardcore fans like so many of the fans are they were just like oh this is just a fiction story about a random person we don't know what this is about. yeah yeah and i think and i, I could definitely it's just so it was just so beautiful to see the transition in this album compared to other albums i think also because she's in such a good relationship right now Mm -hmm. from what we know of which we all stand right now we all stand i think it was just i think she can only write an album like this where she is at right now i don't think it could have been something written many years ago because the toxicity in the some of her exes and then what was happening in the political world side of things Mm -hmm. and also with Kanye and Kim like I think right now was definitely like the like it was just like the perfect moment in the perfect time of her life and also in the middle of COVID-19 like this yeah perfect album during all that and and I think it's very true for a lot of us too that like well it's true for me anyway that over the course of the pandemic well suddenly when you don't have a kind of future to plan for like you're not really sure what's happening day to day let alone months in the future you start going back and like processing all the stuff in the past that's happened to you yes that has definitely happened to me oh yes mm-hmm. and then you're like oh but then you come out of it and you're like maybe I'm in a more settled place now than I was and I also think like it has to be said that for all of the jokes that were made about like careful guys she'll write a song about you I find it particularly poetic that she's now with somebody who literally writes songs with her that end up on her albums. Yes, I love that so freaking much. I love that so freaking much. Like, I know we don't know a lot of information about him because he's not so much in the public eye compared to other exes. And I love that. I love that. Like, Mm -hmm. and I think uh, they're just they're just perfect and I just I just want everything all beautiful for them just everything all lovely and beautiful just everything just stay all good just, yeah if they break up though I will I will cry though I will need a day I think work. 
I think that I, I think their relationship seems pretty solid. I mean, obviously, the, the only two people, people who can really comment on that are, are the people in the relationship. Yeah. But basically, from everything that I've seen and everything that she has openly shared with us, which, to be fair, she doesn't have to do. Like. She, yeah, no, she, she doesn't owe she us would, that. No. She would be well within her rights to be like, you guys, after everything, are not getting anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, yeah, it, it seems pretty solid. I mean, you don't write songs like Lover or um, Invisible String or Peace mm-hmm. about a relationship that you don't have some faith in it lasting, I guess. Yeah, mm. So for my top album, it might be surprising. I think okay. Swifties will get angry at me that it's not Folklore n- number one. Okay. It is Hit surprising. It. it is 1989. Now the Ooh, reason. Yes. That is surprising. Mm-hmm, yes. So, okay. The reason why 1989 just, it connected with me so much. I think my level of fandom with taylor swift definitely was around that time like that like at peak at peak point definitely Mm -hmm. was 1989 i mean she was everywhere but i think what's so great about with 1989 i at that time i noticed that it seemed to be every second album or it'd be like every second year or so it would change whether people loved her or hated her like i remember this was when i was in um I think this was like just before I started uni or something like that. And I looked at like, say Buzzfeed, Buzzfeed were one year reporting about how Taylor Swift was the most hated person about how she was annoying about her exes. And then the next year they were just like, Oh my God, we love her. Oh my God. We stand Taylor. We're Swifties. Like it just, I just, I really, really noticed then how much people just seem to flip so easily about whether they love her or whether they hate her. Like, like for example, during the reputation album, I did feel like the hatred towards Taylor definitely did rise. But then in 1989, everyone was like loving her. They were just like, oh my God, yes, she's amazing. And I think with 1989, I think the reason why I love it so much, not only because the music is just so clever, so smart. I love pettiness. It sounds bad. I love pettiness. I love a little bit of revenge in songs. I love a bit of sassiness in songs. I love it. Like, Blank space, I just oh yeah, uh, no, chef's yeah. kiss. That I just thought yeah was so clever. I think I think that's definitely my favorite song out of the entire album of 1989 because I just find it so clever because I think also, yeah, then because back then in the beginning of my deciding if I want to be a journalist, I think because then I was like really trying to understand the media and and I was trying to analyze that how Taylor Swift, how the media just kept putting this label on her and kept just like putting her as a certain picture and just being so evil with it all and I just love it how then she just flipped the script and just like was making fun of herself and the media at the same time and I just love it I just love I love how clever it was and it was just such a great song and yes I just love like out of the woods wildest dreams welcome to New York just like such upbeat music that just loved it yeah loved it. yeah Yes, so I know Swifties are going to be cranky. I didn't put folklore because I know folklore is a work of art, but that's... I mean, people are always going to have different opinions and I think that's kind of one of the fun things about um, someone like Taylor's catalogue being so broad and expansive and, like, so personal is that Mm -hmm. every single person who has ever connected with her music 
is going to feel differently. Yeah, yeah, that is definitely true, yeah. So let's go down this list, shall we? Oh, my goodness, okay. All right, do you have it written down your list or? I don't, but it's okay. Um, okay. We'll... <laughs> I, I will give it a go. We're gonna just... You're going to get to the end and you're going to be like, no, no, this wasn't the album I put at the end. Okay, all right. So That's what right. is your... Let's do two and three. What's your second okay, and third? So two and three are... Hold on. There's there's nine of them, isn't there? There's it? nine. There's so nine. Let, me, let me think about this. I think... Do you want to write it down? Because I tried to do it in my head and it was a struggle. I had to like write it down. I like change it that many times. It's it's okay. I'll 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 give it a crack. Yeah. Um, I think number two has to be fearless. And that is only oh. because Fearless was such a formative album for me personally. It was yeah. my introduction to Taylor. I've talked about this on podcasts before, but um at the particular time in my life that like Fearless was a kind of the soundtrack to um it quite literally was sort of a beacon of light in some very dark complicated times that come with being a kid and having medical trauma and all of those things and like quite literally the fearless tour was really like a touch point for sort of saving me and keeping me sane and doing all of those things when I was in a really um really uncomfortable place and obviously like it's not the type of place that you want to be in at you know nine or ten but it it definitely was and I think um the amount of nostalgia that came over me when listening to the re-recorded version was just it was like a tsunami of of nostalgia and just like oh we're back here yeah (laughs) and what is number three then what's got the number okay I think number three and this is this is kind of flexible. It sort of depends. Is is Evermore? Oh yes. Oh yes. Just because, like, again, the storytelling and the way that she managed to kind of weave truth and fiction, and there's just like when you think about folklore objectively, I thought that that was a pretty brave album in terms of some of the places that it that it goes to, whether you can assign mm-hmm. them to Taylor or not. Like even just the topics that it tackles but I would say that somehow with Evermore she she managed to even like drill down further into that um and yeah I I just think it's it's one of those albums that will grow for a long time Mm, yeah 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 definitely I definitely think it's one of those albums that will just the popularity of it will like can just continue to rise and rise as like people like start to like connect to like different stories as they progress Mm. through life kind of thing and I think that's just such a beautiful thing that Taylor really does especially with like folklore and evermore yeah 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 so I think for me I think number two folklore like yeah okay I had to that's good I had to (laughs) you're gonna get worried for a second I'd be concerned (laughs) if it was like lower than that I'd be like are you sure are you sure you're like Taylor are you sure no I I had to and I think I I also was trying to think what's my favorite song from the album and I was trying to choose between either Mad Woman or Cardigan but I think oh Mad, my God. I think Mad Woman I just I connect a lot with and I just love again just the way she's just able to voice 
the thoughts that so many people have are just and like the whole idea of like way. women like hunting which is to doing your dirtiest work for you or even that line where she's like and the master of spins got a couple of side things good wives always know but like she can't be mad about it because then she's a mad woman too mm-hmm, and it's like mm-hmm. this whole sort of um i guess unwinnableness yeah not, that not that that's a word of like <laughs> female rage yes and just mm-hmm. where it all sits yeah and yeah and i think i think the music with taylor that i think i personally connect with the most is the songs that do just have that little bit of political side to it or even just like a like um like a feminist side to it i think that's what mm-hmm. i connect and like yeah so i think mad woman i think even though cardigan is beautiful i do love cardigan with all my heart and soul but mad woman i think that's why i just it gets me it gets me and then a close third i think would definitely have to be lover Oh, I think because when the album came out, I had just starting, I had just started to date my, actually, no, I've been dating a while, my, my fiance at the moment. <laughs> no, not, not the moment. Congratulations. No. <laughs> that sounded so bad. My fiance at the moment. No, um, at, at the moment when the album came out, I was dating my now fiance and yes, thank you. Yes. And yeah, so I, of course I was just in lovey dovey mode. So when the album came out, I was just head over heels in love with it so lover of yeah. course was my soundtrack of the, my song of the year lover was and I think just... lover um actually will take my number four spot just because of the way the like oh, anyone who's a swifty is going to be laughing their head off at me using this phrase because they know mm-hmm. but like the sonic cohesiveness <laughs> yes <laughs> of it and just the whole way that it was led up and the whole idea of like she's managed to make music after reputation and it's all a through line and there's like so much interest in the concept of love and like how relationships are built um and you know there's just also like the extra sort of fandom inside jokes of like the the easter eggs going crazy and us counting the holes in the fence when she posted Uh, yeah there were five holes in the fence Taylor there will always be five holes in the fence if you are listening to this (laughs) yes and we also have to give credit as well to the song um the man that music video yes the music video is so underrated it is so underrated like I think it was so clever and the easter eggs in that one and all the digs at Scooter like that yeah. When I, when I first watched it, I didn't know the man in that was Taylor. I did not know that until I saw yeah. some behind the scene footage. I'm just like, what? I was like what? watching, going, who who is that? And then there were a few like little mannerisms where I was like, aha, uh-huh. she she hasn't quite managed to hide that. But I, yes. but I wasn't sure. Like I, I I thought so, and then I was like, maybe I'm just being really weird, and this is an actor that I just haven't seen before. <laughs> And then I felt I felt so vindicated when like the credits come out. Like yes, <laughs> which is probably quite concerning for anyone listening that like I know her mannerisms that much that I could p- <laughs> pick it up. It's like okay, you you need to calm down, honey. You, no pun intended. You need to <laughs> you need to like pull, pull back yes. from Taylor. Yes. Yep. Okay. We've included one Taylor Swift pun. That makes me very happy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that could just be the title of this week's episode. Of this week's episode is just like you. You need to calm down. Red the Taylor's version is coming out. Like that could yeah. be the title. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So number four for me, I think it has to be Red. 
I think definitely after revisiting again in my later years, like that's definitely, that's definitely hit me again. So red definitely. And as we've spoken about before, like, oh, begin again all too well, like has a soft spot in my heart. So that's, yeah, that's number four. And it's, it feels too low, but well, <laughs> I, I can't put it higher. You, you might. You might not want to talk to me again after my <gasps> ranking two no's. Oh, okay. What is your number four? What's your number four? Wait, no, your number four was... Lover, so it's my number five. Oh, it's your number five? Oh, you know what? That's okay. No, no, no. So my, so, so my number five isn't red. It is... Oh, it's not... <gasps> no, it's not red. Yes, I know. She's making that face at me. She's like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but... My number five has to be my little underrated gem that never gets talked about enough. And that's Little Miss Speak Now over here. <laughs> yes, it does get left behind, doesn't I it? I know. It, even oh. Taylor never mentions it. Like, come I on, know. Taylor, you, you wrote that whole album yourself <laughs> in response to criticism that you weren't pulling your weight in, in writer sessions. Like, that's a badass move. Yeah, it does just get, seem to get left behind. Like, especially... On social media, because like, like for t- particular, like with TikTok right now, when everyone's talking about Taylor Swift, it's always about folklore or about lover, about red, and yeah, speak now does get left behind. I'm like, guys, <laughs> I'm over here, guys. I'm over here. I matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're not gonna be too happy with where um, speak now is on my list. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, I think. Yeah, we're just gonna. We're going to have to accept some things about each other. (laughs) I think so. I think so. (laughs) All right. Well, number, what are we up to now? I think this is... Number five for you. This is number five. All right. So number, what did I just say before? I said red. I think number five, I think it's going to have to be fearless. That's fair. Yeah. I think it's going to have to be fearless. I think this is when... I think this is when I was like first really introduced to Taylor Swift. And obviously this is when like, you know, she really started to get into like the pop charts and Mm. stuff like that. Like, you know, love story, you belong with me, stuff like that. And when I started hearing that, because I got to admit the the music beforehand and the albums beforehand, they were just a little too country. Some of the music, just for my personal taste, like some of it, I just. You're not a fan of Yeehaw? No. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it was just a little just this is not my cup of tea personally obviously everyone else like you know loves it that's for sure um but yeah I think fearless I'm I'm a basic bitch I like my pop stuff I'm a basic yeah, bitch yeah. so I, yeah I, I, fearless got me into it with all the beautiful uh, popness and yeah that that definitely was how I definitely started to get into the Taylor Swift sphere Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now my I want to say that I think that like obviously I, I love all of her albums and I think with the Taylor's versions coming out some of these rankings might move around a bit mm. um, it just depends on like what she's been keeping from us I guess <laughs> um, but I think my number six yeah, right. yeah, it's six now. Yes. Has to be reputation, actually. Ooh. Yes. Yes. Um, because the more that I listen to that album and the more that you come to understand it, 
the more I'm like, wow, that was very brave to like put that out in the world. And like, if we had recorded something after I heard, look what you made me do for the first time, I would have been very confused and very like, <laughs> oh my God, what is she doing? I don't know what's happening. I don't know if I like it. Yeah. But then I saw, but then I saw the music video and I was like, oh, okay, I get it now. And then there was just this level of like, everyone thinks it's going to be an album about the noise of fame and about celebrity feuds and all of that stuff and actually it's about like falling in love and figuring out what matters as a person and like what do you do when you get to the top of the mountain and you're there by yourself and like all that kind of stuff and I think again it's like really reframed in the context of Miss Americana and just Mm. all that sort of stuff so yeah reputation takes the number six spot for me yeah all right a number six spot for me I know now there's a reason why this is so low at number mm-hmm. six so this is evermore now the reason why it's so low is because oh yeah I forgot you hadn't ranked evermore yet yes 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 so the that so there's a personal reason why it's ranked so low it's because when the album came out I was in a very very deep depression and I just when I get depressed, I just cannot for the life of me listen to music. Like I, the That's only so music, interesting. yeah, like the only mis- music I would maybe listen to, it would be like, say really old stuff. Like that would just give me a bit of, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, nostalgia. But yeah, I just, yeah. Like for a good, for a good while, I just really couldn't listen to music like ever. And yeah, so this was wow. when ever, this is when the Evermore album came out and yeah, I just couldn't get into it I tried to but then I just stopped myself because I didn't want to end up being like oh I just hate this album but see that's like the opposite reaction to me when I have like with my mental health issues and the mental illness that I live with I lean super heavily on music Mm, okay yeah and like I basically end up in like this little cocoon of songs and stuff and I think the more like songwritery the song generally the better for those sorts of feelings I'm not super into like that commercialized bubblegum pop Mm. I am if it's done cleverly but if it's like I just want to go to the club get drunk and dance (laughs) then I'm like not so much yeah 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 yeah. but that's my personal preference like Mm. I think it anyone who is able to create music that can like become a part of the moments of someone's life or like be sung in a stadium or that's all just amazing so yeah yeah all right we are up to oh my gosh where are we up to now we're at seven we're at seven now so number seven is Mm. is red why is it so low that's very surprised by that yes yeah and it's low because of what I was saying before about like originally not not necessarily understanding it or appreciating the like sonic variety and it's also the, the sort of album where while there are songs on it that I lean on more heavily there are also a bunch of them in which I have to be in a very specific mood to listen to that is true yeah like I said like that that could very well change come November 12th and like the extra pieces of the story and hearing the re-recorded versions because also I've been trying 
not to listen to Rhett ever since she announced that the re-recorded version was coming out. I did this with Fearless too, where I basically like didn't listen to it from the time she announced it. So that like when the new version came out, it was almost like rehearing it for the first time. That's a smart idea. Oh, I've just been really, I, I, okay, I need to do that for the rest of November then I think that's a smart idea. Yeah. Cause then you yeah. get more excited and yeah. Oh, and then it's almost idea. like, even though there are songs that you know all the words to, it's mm. like you're, re- you're revisiting them with fresh eyes. Yeah. And, and cause you can, you can hear the difference. Like, cause even with, even with already, she's like um released the Taylor's version for Wildest Dreams. You can hear the difference, like in just the way. She's a lot more confident yeah. in, in, her, in her version. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can just so hear the difference in how she sings it and like the, the music in the background, like it's just all so different. So yeah, it definitely does make a difference. Yeah. So I think for me, for number seven, mine would have to be Reputation. I do like the album. Yep. Personally, for me, I didn't love it as much as others. Like It's, it's a very polarizing. Um, yeah, it's a very polarizing different album. album. And it's something that she's talked about. I think she said it was an album that a lot of people understood a lot more when they saw it live. Mm, like, I don't know if you went to live. the tour, but she basically had like this giant inflatable snake and like all these snake cages and like these really cool graphics and really interesting ways of presenting it where you were like oh suddenly the narrative of the album and like the whole bait and switch element makes a lot more sense yeah yeah uh i still haven't seen her live i still haven't oh demi i know i know you have to i know oh because when I was younger, no one would come with me. And I, I would have come with you, damn it. I know. Okay, well, when she comes to Australia, we're going to see her. That's cool. what we're going to do. We're yes, going to see yes, her. Yes, we are. Because yes. I have been, I've pretty much been to, actually, I, ha- I have been to every tour except Speak Now. Because my mom was like, we cannot go to every tour. And then I got so upset that we have since been to every tour. You've been on every tour? Yeah, except speak now. Yes. Yeah, I've not been doing any. Um, is, yeah, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. when she's like, coming to Australia. Red, Red was a particularly interesting tour because, again, like I say, I was super young. There was a lot of grown-up emotions. But it's also when she played all too well, she cried. Oh, that would have been beautiful to see. And I, I remember what, like... Oh looking at her going oh my god like is she okay like she's she's crying in front of uh, 40,000 people I think it was at that stage um like that's how raw the emotions in in that particular song were and then I remember seeing her um for reputation which is obviously a fair few years down the line Mm. and she's playing long live and new year's day like this beautiful mashup on piano and she, she had the biggest smile on her face and almost looked like she was going to cry from happiness. And I was like, getting to see the like juxtaposition or like the literal, I guess, healing and transformation of those two moments together was really, really powerful for me as a fan. Yeah. Oh, and as so somebody cool. who is like a major empath to anybody feeling emotions ever. <laughs> As she's crying, you'll be like, oh, I'm so sad too. Yeah. Yeah. 
I'm the worst. I'm the I'm the worst when it comes to concerts. If there's an emotion, any emotion in the singing in the music, I will cry my heart out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an emotional person at concerts. Yeah, yes. I cry at concerts, and everyone else is like, yeah, okay, <laughs> "Oh, we'll be great together then at the concert." Then us two will just be there crying ourselves. <laughs> yeah, let, let's not wear any mascara that night. Okay, yeah, no, no mascara, no. <laughs> no. All right, now for the hard part. The bottom two. So what are the two that you have left? Trying so to think I have out. 1989 and, de- and her debut album left. Okay. All right. All right. I'm going to, I think you're going to have her debut album last. I. Is that true? Am, you are? But only because it's her first one and there's a lot of like, I guess, it, 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 like in hindsight, seeing what she can do now. Mm. I'm like well yes that first offering where she's just figuring it out and like she's written songs at like age 12 and 13 that's obviously going to be different to like where she is now however (laughs) that being said when Taylor's version comes out and we get to hear all of those songs with like grown-up vocals and just the way it presented that could very much very easily change and I want to say because that means that 1989 is in second last place I, I, I want to preface that <laughs> and explain that by saying um, that a lot of my feelings around that particular era of music and performance have changed since not since knowing how much Taylor was struggling yeah no that is fair yeah like I think um, it's definitely an album that is a complete slick um, top-notch pop effort and like the fact that it's the first ever pop album and it's like one of if not the most awarded pop albums in history is massive and speaks to her talent as like a, a songwriter and a student of the craft and all of those things but just knowing like how much she was going through and how much she thought she was doing better and she was but uh, but as it turns out like her version of better for back then is quite bad compared to her version of better now Mm. and and just knowing that like she was um obviously everywhere like the 1989 era was when she really sort of transcended to the next level of celebrity and sort of just being able to see what that did and like what the overexposure of that looked like and have all the Kanye drama surrounding it and the whole like I got to the top of the mountain she talks about it when she won um album of the year for the second time and she's like I had no one Mm. and like you'd think she'd have everyone so just that sort of stuff has really recontextualized that album for me in a way that can't that I can't really separate yeah no that's totally understandable and definitely after watching the Miss Americana documentary I'm gonna just reference it today so many times because I love that documentary so much yeah, but please go watch yes. guys if you haven't <laughs> yes it's on Netflix give it a watch like such such a great documentary so my last two number eight will have to be speak now and then yeah number nine will have to be yeah her taylor swift album i think i think just for me 
when those albums came out, I just wasn't really that aware of Taylor Swift and just the, mm-hmm. just my personal choice, just my personal interest in those particular songs. I just didn't really connect with at the time. I still really do appreciate that albums, but yeah, I think it's just my personal taste in regards to country music. I can, it's hard. I just, I get, yeah, yeah, sometimes with country music, I can really, really love it. Or sometimes I'm just a bit off it a little bit. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's because I grew up in the country and yeah it's just yeah i think it's it's just a personal taste thing but honestly yeah nothing against those albums so they're still brilliant like the fact that she released an album in a like preteen age like how how does one release an album that young and that clever like yeah and there's there's some cracking lines Mm -hmm. and like cracking kind of lyrics and like concepts like the whole idea of like Tim McGraw like when you hear Tim McGraw I hope you think of me like that whole concept of like when you hear this song I hope that down the line when we are like nothing but a memory it still kind of triggers that like seeing that whole concept explored in a song when you're like 14 in maths class I think she was when she wrote it like (laughs) that's bananas or like having a song like cold as you which is a beautiful track five and like having these lines of like um you you came away with the mess of a beautiful dreamer who had the nerve to adore you like who who writes that at age 14 or who writes like (laughs) our song and just this really clever like idea of like these witty sort of couplets for just like a high school talent show yeah, who writes that at that age? Like, seriously, uh, no, at, at that age, I couldn't even write a Facebook status without it being, like, the most cheesiest, horrible thing in the world. Like, mm-hmm. or, like, I couldn't even do, like, a bloody, like, Tumblr post. Yeah. That was even good. Like, how, uh, <sighs> she's just. Yeah, I definitely think her craft as a songwriter and her skill, but also, like, her work ethic mm. and, like, the way, because she was the youngest artist ever signed to, sony atv publishing at age 14 she was originally signed as a songwriter so she would essentially like go to school and then her job in the afternoons would literally be writing songs every day and i'm sure she wrote hundreds of songs that will never see the light of day but the idea of like making it regimented that you like have to go to the studio and you're writing a song and you like have to lean into the craft whether the idea is there or not because anyone who's creative knows that like ideas don't always come Mm. sometimes you sat there and you're like what am I writing about what am I doing what am I making what am I thinking and you still have to like get the words out or get the deadline done and it's just a whole thing so I think being able to like hone her craft like that makes it so that when those moments of like inspiration so to speak strike she's able to capture them even more kind of skillfully yeah yeah so i think to finish off today's episode and i've just realized we've been talking for so long about taylor swift and i'm we so have. happy i'm so happy i would never be able to talk this long about swifty with anyone else so greatly appreciate it <laughs> yes yes so to finish off today's segment we're gonna have a break from swifty and we are instead we are gonna, gonna take a break Okay, no, it's such a hard thing to take a break from an hour and a half of talking about her. God. Um, 
We are going to be sharing, as always, every single week, I get myself and my guests to share our highlights and lowlights of the week. So, my dear, we're going to start off with your lowlight. Even though you have, Ooh. like, a million highlights. Yeah, I was going to say that. We're going to finish on a high that, note. That many lowlights at the moment? <laughs> Probably the only lowlight, but I guess this is also kind of a highlight too, is the fact that I had three assignments to you last week and had to get them all done. Wow. Um, but, I mean, that that's a highlight in terms of, like, the fact that now I I only have one assignment done to go until I've completely finished my degree so we're like clearly clearly working to the light at the end of the tunnel guys but it was a it was a bit of a hairy week in terms of like deadlines and exhaustion and just chaos everywhere yeah oh that must just feel so good to finally be done with your degree because you said yeah it was four years this degree yeah yeah Yeah. oh just oh people anyone that's been to uni knows that uni is a bitch <laughs> like it yes. is it is a struggle it is a struggle so honestly well done <laughs> well done Thank you. Thank yes you. uh me for my low lights what has been my low lights this week um uh, honestly my low light has just been what's been happening in the news lately um yes it's just come out it's in the recent lot. days there's a lot of compassion fatigue and mm-hmm. stuff happening yeah, so sometimes it can just be a little bit much for me because I always have to like make sure I'm up to date with things, writing news stories about what happens in the world of intersectional feminism. And mm-hmm. it just seems to be lately these past couple of days, sorry to the men of the world, but it just seems to be about stupid men. Honestly, <laughs> it's just one minute it's about the male MPs and, and prime minister that's just not caring about climate change one bit. Oh, my God. Next minute it's about an AFL player who thinks he can get away with it, everything and he can. And then it's just it's just yeah. one thing after another. And it's, there's, a, there's a lot going on. And I is. think um, something that's really kind of struck me over the last – well, it's been – banging around in my head for a number of years I guess as I get older and more aware of stuff Mm. but especially this like last year there's a lot of like bad stuff in the world Mm. there's a lot of horrible hatred bigotry apathy cruelty all of those sorts of things and I personally have to work really hard and try to work really consciously to remind myself that yeah while all of that is there and can seem overwhelming at times where you go oh my God, could we just have a good news story, please? Um, there is still hope and there are still people who are in the trenches fighting so that the world can be better. You're doing it. I'm doing it. There are so many of us who are really trying to get those boulders up that hill so that we can hopefully get to a better place. But yeah, I, mm. I can imagine it can be quite overwhelming Yeah, for yeah. you. So I have to ask, even though I already know what it is. So mm-hmm. even though one of your highlights, as you just said, is that you are finishing your last ever uni assignment. What is your other highlight? Have you been nominated for anything in particular? Anything exciting coming up? She's the queen of subtlety, <laughs> you guys. Yes. <laughs> so I just announced today that I am one of six finalists for the Women's Weekly Women of the Future Awards this year, which means that I am up for all sorts of cool prizes. I get to go to a 
swanky luncheon with like the top female journalists in Australia and that's going to be so interesting because I just love learning from powerful women in media um and I will be in the December issue also known as the Christmas issue which I'm super excited about of the weekly which is on sale from Thursday the 4th of November so you can read more about me the work that I'm doing and the work of all the other incredible um trailblazing finalists that I'm honored to be in the company of in the magazine uh cannot wait to read it my dear cannot wait ah uh, I'm just oh because I'm um, that uh, we spoke about this before we started recording but yes I found out I literally just found out that you got nominated like as I was waiting for you to come on <laughs> to um the call here and I was just like what you got nominated like oh and also and also for those that don't know as well like you know just another award you um got nominated if something a bit small like uh young australian of the year yeah so um not really sure what the kind of pipeline for that will look like but at this stage i am on the state shortlist for young australian of the year for new south wales in recognition of all my advocacy work and the fun stuff that i get to do and share with the world yes oh it's just so flippin awesome oh i'm just so proud of you it's just so ah oh. just like i'm just thinking like you know like i'm trying to think when we started chatting it was like earlier this year it's just like how much you've like grown your platform has grown and like how much stuff you've done with your advocacy it's just oh it's just so amazing honestly you should be Thanks, so proud Danny. of yourself it's so bloody awesome so bloody good Thanks. yeah so my highlight of the week um oh yeah I, 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 i'm interested <laughs> to see what this is um what has been my highlight of the week um it's not at the level of being a finalist my my highlight of the week many people will be cranky at this but i don't care and i old me would be cranky at this i have already put up my christmas tree and it's bringing me joy oh my goodness i know Yay. i know there's been this so there's been this christmas tree my partner and i have been eyeing off for weeks now it's at big w it's this black christmas tree with like the like these white like uh frost bits at the ends and we've been eyeing it off for weeks and we haven't been able to get it and it finally came into stores yesterday and we bought it and it was just sitting there in our lounge room in the box and was just like we can't leave it there till december we can't do it so we may have put the tree up on the 31st of October, which That's I know okay. is a crime, but it looks so no, pretty. No, it's not. <laughs> After the year that we've had and the stuff that's been going on, I, and also just generally like across life, I'm of mm -hmm. the opinion that if something brings you joy and it's not actively harming anybody else, then embrace it. Yes, yes. And it just looks so pretty. And this is the first time we've actually been able to get like a proper like like a big size tree because every because a previous years we just live in this tiny little apartment so we just had like this tiny little tree sitting on top of our record player Aww. so we've been able to get a big tree and it's just oh it just brings me so much joy and uh so yes we're putting the tree up putting the decorations up while we're listening to michael buble is a christmas album so yeah that brought me joy we'll have to send me a photo i, I, I will see. i will i will i will see. it's fabulous yes <laughs> well Thank you so much, lovely, for coming on to today's episode. I, Thank I you so much I, for having me. I could talk to you for hours upon hours more about Taylor Swift. Like, we only analyzed to death one album and several songs. So 
yeah. were just you're just gonna have to come on again and yeah we do the other albums we gotta do fearless That's what yeah i do. i think i'll i think i'll be back every time she releases a re-recorded album guys it's like yes. a little mini series between demi and i so we'll see when i get to come back but we will retroactively look at fearless taylor's version as well oh yes yes that is on the list that is on the list yes but thank you i adore you and i just oh thank you so much for coming on my dear thank you for having me thank you everyone so much for listening to today's episode of the nasty woman club podcast thank you also of course to the lovely incredible disability advocate writer taylor swift fan hannah divany for coming on to today's show If you're not following Hannah on social media, do so immediately. She posts such important content about disability advocacy and disability rights. In fact, she's even doing a petition right now calling for Disney to include a princess with a disability. So head on over to Hannah's Instagram page, which is Hannah the Wildflower. Her tag will be in today's show notes. Give her a follow and make sure you sign that very We at the Nasty petition. Woman Club pay our respects anyway, to the traditional that is it for today's episode of the, the Nasty Land. Woman Club We acknowledge podcast. that we are I'll on in the stolen lands of the Yarraga and Turbul people. Until then, stay nasty, everyone. Never